Well, welcome you all to another edition of the Tech Doctor Podcast. With me, as always, is Allison Hartley. How are you doing, Miss Allison? I'm doing fabulous. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Had a big trip to Austin this week and came back home to an Allison Hartley experience of no internet. Oh, no. No internet and no phone because we have cable, phone, and internet on the same cable company. And uh, they came out to fix it and about... 15 minutes before they arrived, it all of a sudden started working again, and nobody knows why it was out for 48 hours and oh my gosh. why it's now working and wasn't working then. And so wow. we may make it through this podcast, and we may not. <laughs> if I disappear, it's because it's gone again. All right. I love these unknowns. <laughs> the internet is full of them. <laughs> yeah. But today we have a known. We have... With us, Chris Kabowski, all the way from New York, by the miracle of the internet. And Chris and I have worked together for many years, as we realize, maybe the mid-90s or so, on various projects. And Chris is a very tech-savvy guy who's into all kinds of things and has recently started a new consulting business and launched it with a very, very nice... Since Nav tutorial. So we're going to talk all about that as well as catch up a little bit with what's going on with Chris. And you've been here before, Chris. Helped me with Android at one point. But welcome back and please take a minute just to say hi and tell everyone a little bit about yourself, if you will. Thanks for having me and uh, I look forward to uh, seeing where this is going to go. But I have been in the assistive technology field for I would say 22 years or so. I started out uh, working at the assistive technology company in Buffalo as a high school intern, and they couldn't get rid of me. So they ended up eventually hiring me on, and I was there for quite a few years, and then I worked with Sendero for quite a few years, and uh, I've now opened up my own consulting and tutorial um company called uh, Mystic Access. And also, just so people know, while you're filling in the dots here and crossing the T's, you do a podcast as well. Yeah, the Mystic Access podcast. How how good. Same name. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sure before we're done, we'll give you a chance to tell people where to find all these things. But you clearly are into a lot of things regarding the access technology and this sounds like an interesting move for you to go into the consulting business if if you don't mind tell us a little bit about that what is mystic access and what 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 do you do um mystic access is a company got the name from the mid 90s i used to run a bbs that you probably remember bbs's bulletin board systems before the internet called uh, Castle of Dreams, but I didn't really want to use that as a name. So I was thinking Castle and Magic and Mystic, and that's kind of where that whole uh, area or name came from. So that's how I came up with that name. And what it is, it will be a tutorial. I will do tutorials and... I will also do consulting, um, over-the-phone, Skype trainings, uh, Windows, screen readers, assistive technologies, basic um, note-taking or note-takers and those types of things if you need help with that type of stuff. And, uh, you know, it's it's been interesting setting up your own business because you have to get all this stuff. You have to figure things out. I still haven't figured everything out. I'm still working on some things, but um, figured I would get things started with the tutorial that was my first um, venture we will definitely get into the tutorial in a moment because it's a really nice one and alice and i have both had a chance to listen to it wonderful thank you but before we go there we just did a podcast last week with a, a, a woman named laura legendary who also has her own business and she was talking to us quite a bit about some of the challenge that uh, she faces with 
accessibility to everything that you need to run a business and just all of the complexity of getting it off the ground and obviously I don't know I don't not, I'm not a business person but I hear people talk about you know getting making contacts find getting capital making it profitable and all that so I'm just curious if, if you'll follow up a little more about what it is like to be starting your own business how how is it how, how have you done it so far um a lot of things that I've done are cloud-based services meaning uh, for example for the phone system I use Ring Central and that's a cloud-based system and you go in and you can um, you know modify the phone settings and you have an 800 number and it's really fascinating but like for the accounting and the billing I've chose to go with FreshBooks which is a cloud-based accounting package that you know you can invoice your consumers and they can pay you through credit cards or PayPal or um, and you can track all of your time it actually has a nice iPhone iPad app where you can go in and say okay let's start the timer for example I was working for a client and I was just out and about so I started the timer did what I had to do came back home and stopped the timer and it auto and I hit save and it automatically sent it up to the proper account and the proper task that it needed to be in and when the time comes I will just hit a button and invoice them I've heard Leo Laporte and other podcasters talking about FreshBooks and and doing advertisements for it but I had no idea whether or not it was accessible to a blind person It is and one of the neat things about it actually is when you're when you're invoicing and you're putting in your hours, your time tracking. So you're putting in your time tracking. You'll have a calendar, and you'll take the mouse pointer. So you'll route the mouse pointer. I'm not sure about the Mac. I'm not sure how it works. But you'll have the calendar with the date. So say you forgot to in- make an invoice on uh, May 15th. You go up to the date. You click it, and then you can enter your time and hours and notes and all that stuff in and then send it, save it, and then it... Um, it puts it in that day. And also when you're scrolling up and down at the bottom of the, the table, you'll find your total amount that you've worked. Then you go up, 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 and it'll show you uh, a week by week of what you what you did for that week. So it's really a, a bookkeeping system yep. that automates the process of tracking what you do. And I, I think also makes it fairly easy to send out invoices and things like that right i have not sent out an invoice yet i'm still working on my trial but it's pretty it's pretty easy you just set invoice and it sends it to an email address that you have on file or if they don't want it via email you can also have them fresh books invoice them via paper and they sent me one as a test and they put your logo in at the company logo and all that other good stuff and it really looks it really looks professional and um they even included a return address envelope just so that you get the full experience of what this uh sample was to look like so you'd know what your clients would see cool so it sounds like it's as far as you can tell so far a very viable option for a blind person who wants to run a business yes well, that's really great because I know a lot of people have asked me about things like that. And it sounds like uh, that's one we can recommend and will be quite accessible. I am curious about how well it does or doesn't work on the Mac. I can check that out and let you know. Okay, excellent. So you've got the business up and running. And the first thing that I'm aware of that you have launched from it is this sense nav tutorial and it's a an audio tutorial made up of about 10 mp3 files that really take one from the beginning of installing sense nav through using even some of the more advanced features and i guess i should not get ahead of myself and point out that sense nav is 
the uh, Sendero um, HEMS GPS program that runs on the Braille Sense and Voice Sense product. You're reading my mind. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> yeah, I'm seeing all kinds of stuff in there. <laughs> Um, Not good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm. I'm. I'm gonna, gonna step right back from that. Anyway, nope. uh, it's 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 quite a comprehensive tutorial. And tell us a little bit about why and how that came about. It came about because it really needed to be done, and there really needed to be a tutorial for sense navigation because it is a, it is a good product, but it is very complex, and there are certain ways that you can do things that will make things easier. Like I, I, when I was doing the tutorial, I didn't want to overwhelm the user going from section to section to section. So we went and we did say the address, um, location dialogue. And that's all we did. You know, we did that and then we didn't move forward. Like we didn't explore around the area until another section, or we didn't create a route until another section because we wanted to focus on a specific, uh, task, so to speak. Allison, what was your experience like listening to the tutorial? Well, I found it to be really interesting because I am not a HIMS note taker user, although I've been learning more about them since the 8.0 firmware came out. So I found it to be really, really thorough and concise at the same time and I found that through the process of learning and listening to the tutorial I found out a little bit more just in general about the ecosystem and um, it's really cool. When I do decide or if I do decide to get another note taker at this point it may end up being a HIMSS note taker because I liked I really liked the interface of the of the SenseNav. I've used Braille notes kind of off and on over the years and it's fine, but um, I'm, I'm really kind of leaning more towards HIMS now. The HIMS products, the, the design is Windows-based, so it's a Windows style of user interface. Yeah. And uh, the Braille Note is Keysoft, which is a interface that was designed in the mid-90s, probably when, Mar uh, when um, Robert and I met each other. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> funny because there are some things that you do like sometimes I'll find myself trying to press enter on something on a braille note or pressing trying to press tab on something on a braille note and it's not it's not the same so you have to switch from one mode to another mode yeah that switching back and forth I would guess could be a, a bit of a challenge because they are just different enough to keep you confused all the time if you're not careful mm -hmm. Yes, and they, they both, as far as the GPS product goes, they have the same exact features. So this tutorial, Allison listened to it from the perspective of not being a current BrailleSense user. And sounds like, Allison, you felt like you learned quite a bit. Yeah, and I feel like I could, I could pick up a BrailleSense running SenseNav and use it. Wow, that's quite an endorsement. The tutorial itself assumes that you are familiar with your Braille sense to the point of knowing where certain keys are and knowing how to get into menus and pretty much launch programs. So it, it didn't. It starts out with sense navigation. It doesn't really start out with word processor or scheduler or any of that stuff because it was focused on the the GPS product. So basically, you would recommend someone first. I assume read the Braille Sense documentation and get familiar with the other aspects of the unit and then jump into the tutorial. At least enough to the so that they can navigate. You know, they know how to start a program or they know where their Windows key or their F two key is or the F one key is on the Braille keyboards. Well, you know, I came at this tutorial as a Sense Nav user and one who's been around the product for a long time and I found it interesting and helpful and learned a few things or at least was reminded of a few things that that I have forgotten and when I see my son use GPS on his iPhone and he's fully sighted no disabilities it's just so easy for him to enter an address I guess he taps a button and 
he gets turn by turn directions wherever it is he's going and there's just you know it takes him two minutes to get up and running and I'm gathering that really if one learns the information in this tutorial and because of the way that you've designed it you can learn to do things like quickly create a route and either have it be a, a pedestrian or a vehicle route and you can quickly get from one place to another just by really studying that particular section of the tutorial. Is, is that kind of the intent behind it? That's exactly the intent by it. Because one of the things, I, I am a big fan of SenseNav and of the HEMS products and I know that in recent times the the idea of the fact that maybe the product has gotten too complicated, the SenseNav product, has been addressed to some extent by creating an, an easy mode which turns off or doesn't show some of the options that are available if you go into the to the regular mode, to the full mode, whatever that's called. But that to me hasn't addressed the complexity of the issue fully. I mean, yeah, I guess it's I guess easy mode is a good place to start maybe or something. But I think this tutorial meets a real need here because somehow this product is so feature rich that it's just gotten more complicated than what I see people who are cited using on their iPhone, for example. Well, let me just address that. So you have easy mode and you have Excel mode. So easy mode is the mode that you have that strips off some of the things like virtual mode, for example, is gone. But a person, whether you're in easy mode or Excel mode, you still need to know how to do an address search. A couple of things are missing in that dialog box, whether easy mode or Excel mode is active. But you still need to know how to do that address search. You still have to figure out that when you're found the address, that you can quickly hit a hot key. So whether easy mode or Excel mode is on or off, it's irrelevant. Yeah, that's a good point. And do you think that it's difficult for people to get the program to do what they want? I mean, is it hard to do – does that address have to be typed in exactly or is there a lot of room for – frustration if the program if you don't know how to type in an address something like that i mean is it is it difficult for people it, it can be yes um so in the in the tutorial when you do the address search i used partial city names on purpose and that's all the program should require is you to type a partial name i gather yes and then it will go out and give you some matches or tell you what it thinks you're looking for. Right. For example, when I was looking for the address in Cleveland, I typed in a partial Cleveland and it brought up, I think, three results. And Cleveland was one of them. So I just found it and hit enter. So I didn't have to type out the whole thing. Yeah, I think that that is a, a good example of some of the types of things that you really need to know to make good use of since now, and I'm not sure to what extent those kinds of details are covered in the manual. I think they probably are there somewhere, more or less. But this tutorial brings them front and center. And obviously, you are a good person to do it because you've had the experience over the years of hearing all the people's questions about it. And writing the manual. Oh, <laughs> oh that too. <laughs> so uh, just, just, just to fill that in a little bit how does the tutorial interact with complement the manual what, what's what's the relationship there as you see it um the address lookup was done it was it's pretty much the same address lookup that's actually in the manual just a different address that's chosen at the time um but you get to hear the responses that the device should say not what you think in the manual, but you get to hear a human talking to you, and then you get to hear what the speech synthesizer or the Braille sense is supposed to be saying at a specific time. So it's really more like an experience with the product than reading about the product. Correct, yes. And to me, that's a better learning way, a better learning tool, because it sort of makes it 
come alive. And I, I gather that someone could sit there with the tutorial if they wanted and listen to a little bit and then actually pause it and try the things that you're doing and and make sure they can replicate what's going on there. That's a great way to learn, I think. Yeah, and when designing the tutorial, I try to keep in mind the most popular functions that a person would want to do or use when they're, you know, just a new person that wants to learn it, wants to go from point A to point B, wants to do POI searching, wants to create routes. There are a lot of functions that weren't that were kind of um, glanced over, but they're they're still important, like multiple repeat or look around. You know, you go into that miscellaneous section and you have, I believe, five or six topics of miscellaneous options that if a person was curious, they could go in there and look, but they don't really need to. They don't really need any of that to do the basic functions of creating a route or searching for a POI. Yeah, the way you've got it organized here is you first start out with, with an introduction. That's a nice... Uh, Nice little introduction, and I don't know who the woman is who did part of it, but she sure did a nice job. Thank you. I'll let her know that. <laughs> All right. And then you've got a, a, a section on installing, and there's a section on the menus. And one of the nice things about SenseNav is it's both menu-driven and hotkey-driven, and you have a choice of how you interact with the program. And so you, you fully explain that and then you move into what we were talking about with location lookups and do a section on virtual exploration and one of the things that you do after you cover points of interest is you you teach people about routes which is nice and then you actually take people on an outside walk with the GPS putting a lot of these things that have been seems like built upon in these first six or seven sections into play when you actually go walking down the sidewalk and, and locate a particular business that you were looking for. So it, it does seem like it's pretty comprehensive and it does build one thing on another in some respects, but in, in another respect, it seems like you've tried to find that balance of you can just go to the particular section that you're interested in learning about at a given time. So you don't necessarily have to do have to do it all in order. But being the obsessive compulsive person that I am, I listen to it all in order, and Me I found that, I found that helpful. So it, it's pretty flexible. It seems like in in how you how you might work with this tutorial. Yeah, and I I kind of like the outside one because I like the guy with the lawnmower. I think that was funny. Yeah, was was that the guy who was? Who moved it? Moved it out of the way, and yes, because he had it in the side. He had it in the middle of the sidewalk, and he moved it out of the way. <laughs> that was that was sort of a sort of interesting uh, diversion there. Sort of brought people back to wait a minute. This is this is really happening this is here. A guy walking outside, yeah. <laughs> On the streets of Buffalo. I assume it was a fairly nice day outside. Yes, I believe it was like seventy-five, and Ooh. it was very yeah, it was very nice. It was. I want to say last Sunday, I think I recorded it. This is definitely hot off the press, huh? Yes, the whole the whole tutorial took from conception to finish probably about 30 hours to do. Wow. Very not, cool. Not a trivial task at all. No. How did you decide what to include and how did you put all this together? Basically with experience of technical support knowing the most frequently asked things that a consumer needs out of that product or any any product for that matter how would they get up and running like for example the installing section a lot of people don't know that they can use a windows based pc with sendero maps to download their product it makes it so much easier to just go in there and install it and go and then going from you know then you want to make you start out easy with the menus so again you're building upon so you're building on the menus you're teaching the person that may not know the program that there is a menu system in there so that if they get lost or distracted they can go into the menu system and find something and then you build on okay what does a person need to do next person needs to do an address search they need to find some place to go so that's why that was next then if my memory serves it's the virtual exploration 
that is next. So you have an address. Now you need to move around. And then points of interest. So you want to go virtual, point, then points of interest, because then you're teaching a person how to find a point of interest. So, for example, you can't take the root section and tell a person to search for a point of interest if you haven't told them what a point of interest is. So you, the root section has to be where it is, in that order. And then it's when you take the exciting walk outside and pull all that together. Exactly. So I would like to make sure that we maybe say it a couple times, but how does one go about getting this tutorial? Because i sort of beginning to feel like this tutorial is a must-have for anyone who wants to get the most out of SenseNav. I agree. If you go to mysticaccess.com, M-Y-S-T-I-C-A-C-C-E-S-S.com, uh, it's right on the front page. You can add it to your cart, and you can purchase it. There will be a PayPal button. You can either pay via credit card or PayPal, or I can accept uh, money orders if you don't want to pay for it via PayPal. So we can we can uh, the address is on the website. You can just send it. Send the let me know, of course, and uh, send the money order to the address. And then, do people get something they can download, or how do they get the tutorial? If it's instant, if they pay via credit card, they will be able to access it instantly, and they will log into their account, and it'll say you have you some of your orders have uh, downloads. And it'll say, click here to view these orders. You hit enter on that. And then there'll be a download button. You just down, hit the download button for your order, and it comes down to you. Sounds like it's pretty straightforward and should be easy for people to do on, I would assume, a Windows computer or a Mac or a possibly... Yeah, any, anyone, yep. Possibly even on a Sense device, huh? I think so, but there's a. I went to the website myself on the Braille Note, and it will not let me through the security dialogue. Okay. So. And you're, you're, it's probably the same thing with the Braille Sense, but you're not sure. Braille Sense did work. Braille Sense did work. Yeah, the Braille Sense, I was able to go and view it. I didn't actually purchase it, but I was able to view it and add it to my cart. Well, you probably didn't really need to buy it. <laughs> nah, I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, that is really. Uh, it's a nice and straightforward way to go about it. And what is the cost of the tutorial? Uh, until June 1st, it will be uh, $19.95. After June 1st, it goes up to $34.95. So it's an introductory price of $20. Either way, it's a really affordable and reasonable price. And when I think about the 30 hours plus work that went into it, wow, that's a, I think that's a real deal for Incredible. people. Incredible. Well, you both know as well as I do what uh, what you have to do to edit. Yeah, we, we've spent quite a bit of time on that editing thing. In fact, pretty much every week, a good bit of my time goes into editing. So it, it there's a lot there and good quality there. I'm really uh, pleased with the quality of the audio, not just the editing, but, but the volume levels and the sound quality. And you did a really nice job of not falling into one of my pet peeves is not talking at the same time the Braille Sense was talking. Yeah, well, there were times when the Braille Sense decided to be rude and interrupt. <laughs> but <laughs> but even then, you you would typically uh, pause and, and let it say right. its thing. And then continue, right. Yep. So I think it's just a great learning tool for people. And the fact that you can download the tutorial and when you unzip it you actually get mp3 files it means you can play it on just about any device that will play mp3 audio there's also a playlist that's included in the zip file that if you hit that playlist it'll it should play all the files in order so you can just listen from beginning to end using the playlist get yourself a nice glass of iced tea and just sit back for three or four hours huh Exactly. There's also a sample. It was a promo that I did on the mysticaccesspodcast.com, which gives an introductory, and it's, it's kind of outdated because it mentions that it will be released on May 15th, but you still get an, an example of the menu section. And how do people subscribe to the podcast or get access to it? 
It's uh, mysticaccesspodcast.com slash feed equals or slash question mark feed equals podcast. That's the podcast feed. Or you can search for Mystic Access Podcasts in iTunes and, and subscribe that way. And you can do the same thing on Downcast okay. if you're using iOS device. Yes, you can. I've done it with Downcast. I've done it with I, uh, iCatcher. I've also done it with uh, QCast as well. Okay, so it sounds like the podcast, certainly that issue would be of interest to people if they want to get a little sampling of the tutorial. But what else do you do? on your podcast it's a hodgepodge of little tutorials uh, i have a cube tutorial up there i have a my charge tutorial or a little demonstration podcast they usually run 10 or 15 minutes you know depending on the topic just kind of give you a brief overview of what what the device can do or what the product can do there's a burnerware up there there's even a podcast that goes back quite a ways on the needle robotics um Vacuum. I don't know if you've ever heard of that one. Yeah, I heard the podcast. I'm a subscriber. Oh, to, you are <laughs> to the Mystic Podcast. So, although I think it's it's recently changed its name, but the feed apparently didn't change because I'm still receiving issues. The feed did change, and there's a whole way of doing that. You actually have to redirect your the web admin has to redirect the old domain to the new domain so that Apple can say, oh, and then it, it updates the feed. Well, I didn't change anything in Downcast, and I'm still receiving it. Right. So Apple, it does that automatically. Once Downcast goes and pulls the episode, it says, because it was redirected, it looked at the old site and said, oh, the feed needs to be updated. So Downcast automatically changed that for you. Isn't it amazing what's going on behind the scenes, yeah. huh? <laughs> you don't even have to worry about it. Nope. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I, I recommend people subscribe to your podcast. You're, you're a little bit like this one. You sort of do one when you have something to say or some something to show, although we have seem to have gotten more on a weekly schedule than we used to be. But it's, it's probably because we think we have something to say. <laughs> oh, and the, and the sample, again, now going back to the, the woman who did the uh, intro, her name is Kim, and she... She did that, and that intro and extra is both—they're both on the sample, so you, you could hear that as well, and it gives the contact information as well. Okay, excellent. Was well, there anything else that you can tell us about this new venture that you're doing? In other words, are there other ways that you would like to be contacted if people want to take advantage of the consulting side of it, or anything else you want to tell us about that? Sure. You can uh, contact me via email at chris at mysticaccess.com or you can call 888-678-1433. That is the 800 number that I have set up for the business. And you can either hit zero or 101 and that'll get to the same place. And then you can obviously talk with the person about what their needs are and figure out a, a plan from there. Correct. Yes. It's pretty exciting. I mean, I, I am thrilled to see you and others starting these businesses because I think it's just a great opportunity for not only you as the business provider to offer something, but it's a real chance for people who need this kind of information to have a place to go and get it. So it's nice to see this happening. Well, I've got to, I was thinking about it when I was deciding on what I was going to do. And I was thinking one of my ideas or thoughts were whether the assistive technology changes, you're going to still need people to teach you how to use it. doesn't matter who you are. Exactly. Yeah. And that's always been something that has been a struggle or has been lacking. I mean, there've been people out there doing it and, and I'm appreciative of, of what people have done. But so many times I hear about people getting a piece of technology and never really learning how to take full advantage of it. Exactly, because they just don't know how to use it or they don't have the training or they don't have somebody who's sitting there patiently walking them through how to use it. And also, I think it can be a real source of frustration for people. They try and they can't figure it out and they just so often, I think, in a way, because of that lack of training or help, I think sometimes technology really gets a bad name. Yeah. Exactly. Especially if you've spent all this money on something that you think is really going to help you and then 
you can't figure out how to do it. So it sounds like Mystic Access is potentially going to fill a space there, going to meet a need. And let's hope that it, let's hope yes. it really, really works out well for you. Yes, and I have my first client on Friday. Awesome. <laughs> Excellent. So, so it's, it's up and running. It's funny because she's local. So I'm going to her house on Friday to teach her. Okay. I would assume that the internet really opens the door for this type of business a lot more than ever before because it doesn't really matter whether someone's local or on the other side of the world. You, you potentially still can help them. You're still, you're still working with them, whether you're physically sitting next to them or you're two or 3,000 miles away. It doesn't really matter. Will you use Skype? Um, to do this kind of training or, or some other technology? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'll use Skype. Use Skype. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, it, I mean, it, it works fairly well for this. We've, Alice and I have thought frequently about trying some other platforms, but we're both using Macs, and for, for now, Skype seems the most accessible platform on the Mac. Well, I, I know that because uh, you'd mentioned Leo Laporte, and I know that for his uh, studio, they use Skype, and they've they've tried a few different things, and and they still keep coming back to Skype. Yeah, it's because it works. Yeah, we've had pretty good success with it. Occasionally, it, there's a glitch here or there, but you know we've done a lot of recordings over the past few years, and most of them, almost all of them, work out well across Skype the first mm-hmm. time. So it, it's it's really not a bad platform. Well, Chris, one of the things that we like to do sometimes on this podcast before we finish up is talk a little bit about whatever exciting gadgets we're currently enjoying right now. And I know you're like me and, and like Allison and love your technology. Is there anything new and exciting that you are playing with at the moment that you'd want to talk to us about? I am actually playing with a Acer Arconia Windows 8 tablet running uh, NVDA as a screen reader on it and going back to GPS, running Sendero Maps on it. So now I have a GPS product that's running on a 10-inch Windows 8 tablet. Wow, that's pretty exciting. How's that working out? It works pretty good, uh, to, even to the point where you can use the virtual keyboard. You know, you don't even really need to take the physical keyboard with you. You can use the virtual keyboard, although it's a little slow, but if you need to execute a command or something, mm-hmm. you can pop the virtual keyboard and say hit T for your next turn, and it tells you your next turn. You're talking about the touchscreen keyboard. Correct. And you can actually, can you? do you think you can use it well enough while you're out walking around to do those kinds of things i know gil has excellent gil, gil has for sure he's he's taken his out and um he has left his bluetooth keyboard at home so you know the way nvda works with the virtual or on-screen keyboard is the same way that android or ios would work where you slide your finger across the keys and you lift so you should be able to slow down or pause for a second and fairly yeah. easily yep make that work. And this is not the this is not a a Windows Surface tablet. No. No, this is an Acer. It's an Acer tablet and it was $500 cheaper than the Surface. It actually came with a uh Bluetooth keyboard, a dock, a carrying case, the tablet. The tablet has 4 gigs of RAM. It's only got an i3 processor and it's only got 64 gigs of internal storage it does not have an sd card slot but you can get one of those low profile uh, thumb drives and just connect that if you need more storage obviously it has some usb ports yes it has one has and one has, yeah when you connect it to the docket it, it turns that one into three cool. so it, it it runs obviously um the the sendero uh maps software just fine yes are there any other things that, that it does well on that you've tried it with? The beauty of the full Windows 8 experience is you have access to all of your legacy programs. So you can use something like the Cube in order to use Twitter. Uh-huh. You know, So you could get your tweets and all that. 
um, yeah, I would probably use a virtual keyboard for that because, or the uh, Bluetooth keyboard for that because of the um, the multi keystroke commands that you use with the cube. But you could use like your favorite Twitter client. You can use full Microsoft Word. You can use whatever screen reader you want. Some support touch, some don't. So if you don't have a screen reader that supports touch, you'd need to use the keyboard, the Bluetooth keyboard that comes with it. You're you're pretty limited though in terms of memory and and storage and all. So I mean, you wouldn't be able to load up a whole lot of stuff on it. Doesn't sound like. Well, you have 64 gigs, so you have about 40 gigs free, and then you could get yourself a 64 gig or 128 gig thumb drive. Yeah, plug it in, and there's your there's your storage. It's interesting. It's a whole new world with all yeah. these tablet devices. Exactly, and it really makes a big difference with GPS because where it, it reminds me of the early days when, of GPS when when uh, when people were walking around with laptops on their back, you know. But now we basically have much of the power of a laptop in a tablet, and so it makes the whole GPS running on a PC essentially a more viable option than than ever before. Well, I remember uh, I came into the GPS arena um, towards the end of the PC where you would, you know, what you were just talking about where you carry it around on your back. And I remember going to the website, looking at it, and kind of drooling over this whole GPS thing. But then I thought, do I really want to carry around a laptop? Yeah. No, not really. You know, and you only get, what, three hours or two hours of battery life if you're lucky. Right. You know, and then when once it finally hit the Braille note, then I got it sight unseen. Right. Yeah, that was back in the Strider days of GPS. and. Yep. It's nice that it has advanced the way that it has, and it's, it's <laughs> definitely it's interesting to think about how you know what has has it been about twelve thirteen years that this has been going on? Uh, yes, yes. Yep. So, so I mean, it's it's really quite a been quite a long ride for GPS compared to a lot of the technologies that we have. Seems like so so many of them come and go so fast but this has been this this has really grown up to be quite a mature product i think yes it has that sounds like an exciting gadget and you know i haven't to this point allowed myself to get very excited about windows 8 tablets but i did see uh, a surface last week when i was in austin and that was interesting and uh and so there's a lot lot going on and if i can you know, decide that I am willing to even like Windows 8 a little bit. You know, maybe, maybe I'll think about jumping into that. Maybe that I'll arena. like the tablet better than the the Windows 8 laptop, which is currently sitting in my backpack. <laughs> yeah, but you, you, um, I know you've mentioned before that laptop, and it sounds like you sort of have a you sort of have mixed feelings about it. I do, I do. I think just in general, because I've really more made the switch to the Mac. OS more full time now. I think I just kind of got the Windows 8 laptop at maybe the wrong time. <laughs> it's hard to use everything. It really it is. is. There's so many options out there, and it's a great problem to have because I'm all about people being able to choose what they're comfortable with, what they like, what they feel like really? they can get the most out of. So it's a good problem to have. Anything exciting you're playing with these days, Allison? Um, honestly. Not this week. Um, I've just been using my run-of-the-mill iPhone apps. I, I have found that now more than ever, I'm using my iPhone for almost everything, except, interestingly, not as much for tweeting. Um, I don't know why exactly, but um, I find that I do go back to the Mac for that. But mm. other than that, I'm pretty much using the iPhone for everything, and it's been a bit of a crazy week, so I haven't really gotten to play with much new. So this may be a record... Allison has taken a week off from a new gadget. And I, I can't help but wonder if you're starting to shake, if you're starting to have a little trouble breathing, if you're going through kind of some kind of withdrawal process. or how I you think doing? so. I have noticed that I've had some trouble concentrating. What are we talking about? Yeah, I thought so. I thought so. So I bet next time we'll be hearing about something. Well, I have one um, that I'm real excited about. I bought a pair of the new uh, Bose wireless AEW2 oh, headphones. 
and I'm really excited about these headphones. They sound terrific. They are over-the-ear headphones that aren't noise-canceling, but when you put them on, they do block or reduce the noise around you just by the fact that they fit over your ears. And I know some people like those type headphones and some people don't, but I love uh, those kind I of headphones. Love over the ear. They're very comfortable. They're very light. They have really good sound in terms of the the highs and the mid range. The bass is perfectly sufficient for me. I, I wouldn't call them extraordinary on the bass, but they do definitely have that Bose sound, which some of us like me really likes and some people don't like so much. But they have a little uh, Bluetooth dongle that plugs into the left side of the headphones, which gives you your controls, your volume control, and a button that lets you do multifunction things like uh, like you can do on the inline button with an iOS pair of headphones where you can pause and jump forward or backward through music or where you can uh, tap the button and take a phone call and so forth. Are they wired and wireless or are they just wireless? They are wired and wireless. They come with a a cable that you can simply replace the Bluetooth dongle. You just unplug it from the headphones and plug the cable in where the Bluetooth dongle was plugged in. That's and, cool. And so you can use them wired if you choose to do that. Unfortunately, when you use them wired, though, you don't have any inline controls. You have to control whatever you're listening to from the device itself. Right. So, so it would have been nice if they would have included an inline control, I think, on that cable. I imagine you can buy an add-on for that if you want but they they do also let you charge the bluetooth dongle when it's not plugged in to the phone it has a, a micro usb connector and so it's nice that you can just charge it separately and still keep using the headphones plugged in wired and one of the other cool things that i really like about them is that they will let you have two devices simultaneously connected. So for example, I have both my iPhone and my iPad connected to these earphones and whichever one starts producing audio is the one that the headphone will automatically switch to. That's nice. So you don't have to do anything other than just start playing something on one of your devices and the headphones immediately realize I need to be transmitting that and we'll switch to that device and if you're playing something on the iPad listening to an audiobook for example and you get a phone call on your iPhone it will pause the iPad switch you to the iPhone let you take the call when you're done with the call immediately pick back up where you were on the iPad so very nice wow so this audio switching between two devices is nice you can have up to 8 devices paired but only two devices connected simultaneously at a time. So I'm all excited about these Bose AEW2 headphones. And, um, uh, you know, they're a little, as with all Bose, things are a little bit pricey at $250. So um, they're not cheap, but they really offer a lot from my perspective and uh, I've been waiting for years honestly for Bose to come out with some really good wireless headphones and they've finally done it and also they support Bluetooth 4 and so I'm finding you can get up to about 40 feet of range between nice. your headphones and your device wow. so, so you can walk around the house at least a portion of the house and still keep listening to your audio and they do uh, pause everything that I've tried including the audible app when you when you press the pause button some of the headphones like the aftershocks don't pause the audible app see now i have never had that problem with the aftershocks on my iphone 5 the aftershocks blues always pause my audible audio maybe they updated the aftershocks firmware since i got mine because the pause with the Audible app does not work with mine. 
has been an audible update uh, in the not too distant past too. Maybe that solved it. No, I've got the latest audible okay. update, and that that I was hoping that would solve it. But it's interesting, Allison. You must have different firmware in your. I I suppose I do. I wonder if there's a way for the end user to update. Yeah, I'll have to find out about that. I'm not. I don't know of a way, but it would be worth checking into because you have that feature, and I don't, and I can't possibly be happy with you having something I don't have. <laughs> well, you have you have the bows, and I haven't whined yet. <laughs> she yeah. does have a point. <laughs> she, she does have a point, but but she she made me buy the Bose SoundLink speaker. Oh yes, so, this is so, way back when. Yeah, way back when. So I'm, <laughs> I've kind of gotten even with her now but it's odd that i got even with her by buying yet another another thing. bose product <laughs> what's that's wrong with odd... this picture <laughs> yeah what's wrong with this picture is that really even i don't even want to think about that <laughs> at any rate um thank you so much for being with us chris is there anything else in summary or in saying farewell that you would like to add to all this craziness I just wanted to thank you for having me and uh, giving me a chance to discuss the tutorial and some of how the business is ran. And I find that the the fresh books thing will work. It'll work good. So, oh, and on the website for some reason, it says the for the prices it says nineteen ninety five, twenty nine ninety five, and thirty nine ninety five. But when I was using NVDA, it was reading them in the thousands. Oh, so I'm like, it was like one thousand nine hundred ninety-five dollars, and I'm like, um, no. So I emailed them, and they and I explained the situation. They came back to me rather quickly, and they said, you know, you were right. It's nineteen ninety-five because if they were charging that much, I'd ask for a raise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so if you're using NVDA, you might get the prices read wrong. Is that the deal? That's what I'm thinking, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's good information for people to have. And I really wish you well with with the business and with the tutorial. It's very nice to catch up with you. And I yeah, hope luck. we'll. Yeah. Well, thank you. Hope you'll come back again and maybe after a while let us know how it's going. And I bet we'll hear about all these exciting clients you're working with. Will do, and just for for just so the contact information is all in one place. Um, the website is mysticaccess.com. You can email me at chris at mysticaccess.com. You can call eight 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 six seven eight one four three three, or Twitter is mysticaccess. Excellent. All right. Well, thanks for being here, and. Until next time, this is the Tech Doctor saying so long for now. Bye, everyone. All right.